you could somehow have two hours added to every one of your days. A free 14 hours per week are yours. Pop! Like that. What would you do with all that extra time? Wow. All right, all right, share with your neighbor right now. I mean, well, it's still fresh. Just tell them, this is what I'd do. You don't even have to give them stories. I would, this is what I would do. Come on, just introduce yourself to your neighbor. Just share with them. What would you do with two extra hours? 14 hours a week, if you could have that kind of time. Two more hours per day, every single day. Wow, what would you do with that time? Now, <laughs> let me just find out. We'll do a little survey to find out what people said. Hey, some of you do a lot. From there, I'm seeing hands moving. It's like, yeah, two hours is exactly what I need. How many of you said sleep? <laughs> what? That's like 75% of the church. You are the sleep-deprived generation. Oh my goodness. You would sleep for two... Oh my gosh. Okay, I won't even go there. That's dramatic. How many people said... Okay, let me see what other answers I got. How many people said I would finally go to the gym? I'd finally exercise some more. I've been trying. I've been looking for the time. Like quite a few here as well would say, okay, I would exercise some more. How many people said I would read more? I've been looking forward to... Okay, there's quite a few people here. I would read. I'd go to school or I'd just read more. Uh, okay. How many people said, I would spend time with a family. I've been looking for time for that family. I would spend much more time with the loved ones, the family. All right, like your poor families. Oh my goodness, like three guys. All right. Okay. How many people said, I would finally catch up with that TV series that I've been sleeping every time I start watching. I knew it. By the way, there's quite a few of them. By the way, more people than family. Just note that. Eh? Tell you the priorities of Mavuno Church. And then how many people said, I'd start a side hustle. My side hustle will finally get the time it deserves. All right. Quite a few business people looking for uh, time for their business. How many people said, Pastor, how can you even ask? I would pray. I would worship. I would seek the face of the Lord. Let me just see. Show of hands. Wow. Okay. There's a few saved guys in the house as well. Praise God for you guys. <laughs> how many guys said, I would not even notice. I'm sure. It would just pass. All right? <laughs> Quite a few honest people there as well. It's like, you know what? Two hours, it will just go. It will just get absorbed with what I'm already doing. Well, what's time got to do with it? We're going to be talking about that today. And I, uh, for those of you who are joining us, uh, we're in the middle of a brand new series. Uh, we started it last week. And it's called Stay Rich. And notice we didn't say be, be rich or get rich. Because everywhere you go, you're going to find people teaching you how to get rich. But you're never going to find people teaching you how to stay rich and that's why we started this brand new series we're looking at it in god's word and last week for those of you who weren't here we discovered that we are far richer than we thought isn't it how many of you are i mean you you, you actually went into globalrichlist.com and put in your amount when nobody was looking and you could see how much how many of you were like impressed at how rich you are it's like oh my gosh in fact somebody came and told me pastor m uh i don't think it's me who's rich i just i'm shocked how many poor people there are in this world uh, another person came and said pastor m when you say net input your net money do you mean after taxes or do you mean after i've done my shopping and i've done i've paid my bills i said you are in denial you really are in denial i mean this is what we're finding out and we found out that we are far richer than we expected if you want here you can go on that website globalrichlist.com put in your net amount and find out exactly how rich you are compared to the rest of the world and but the problem is we found out as rich as we are 
we suffer from two, two afflictions or two problems that rich people across the world suffer from. The first is denial. The second is discontentment. We say those are the two things that, poor, that, that rich people always struggle with. And as a result, it leads to an affliction called hope migration. Hope migration. We said our hope migrates. And it moves from the living God into something that doesn't last. We start, we start trusting wealth. We start trusting money. We start trusting the provision as opposed to trusting the provider. This is what happens to rich people all across the world. And so we made a declaration of freedom. We made a freedom declaration that if we will pursue this declaration, if we will live it out, it has the power to set us free. We said, I will not put my hope in. Oh, come on. Somebody was here last week, I'm sure. We said, I will not put my hope in riches, but in the one who richly provides. We're doing a little transfer here. And this is why we ended up by saying, how do we do this change? How do we practically get to that place where we're not trusting riches, but we're trusting the one who provides? How do we actually move there? How do we change our hope? How do we re-migrate our hope back to where it belongs? So today we want to go back to our, our scripture that we read last week, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 to 19. So if you want to turn in your, in your Bibles there, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verse 17 to 19, if you remember, we say this is a unique part of scripture. It was written specifically for rich people. This is a, a part of scripture that is just for rich people, uh, like some of the people who are in this uh, room today. Uh, we say this is for you. Tell your neighbor, this is for you. Yes, it's for, it's for people like you. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, it was an instruction to the rich written by Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. He wrote it to his protege, Timothy, and he said this. He said, command those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. In other words, that's what we talked about last time. Why you put your hope in the provision when you can put your hope in the provider? And then he continues, because this is how we get practical now. How do we do this practically? He says in verse 18, and he repeats a very interesting word. He says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. So they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Father, I thank you because as we come into your word today, we want to take hold of this life that is truly life. And so I pray that, Lord, as we reflect on this, your word, as we seek to understand it, that, Lord, you would open up our minds, open up the eyes of our heart, that we would hear exactly what you're saying to every single one of us. None of us would be passed by with this word. None of us would find it not attaching to us. And I pray that, Lord, as your word attaches to us, that, Lord, it will bring the transformation that it needs to bring. I speak against any power that would seek to steal this word from your people. And we bind Satan and all his works. And we say that today there will be open heavens and clear understanding and obedience to your word. We bless you and we thank you for these things we ask in Jesus' name. God's people say it. Amen. Now he says, command them. Command them. I want you, no you to notice that. In verse 18 again, he says, command them. He says that twice. Very important word. He's not saying suggest to them. He's not saying encourage them. He says what? Command them. This tells you that this is critical for wealthy people. You need to do this. It's not something suggested by God. God is saying you must do this. And then he says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and generous. And willing to share. Now I want you to notice a very interesting thing. He says to be rich. He doesn't command them to be average. He doesn't command them to do what everybody else is doing. 
He says, be rich in doing good and generosity. Because you know, all Christians, whether you're rich or poor, have the same command. You need to be good. And you need to be generous. You need to do good and you need to be generous. But Paul is saying, for rich people, there's an even greater expectation. Be rich in doing good and in being generous. This is what he's saying. This is actually the practical way to reattach your hope where it belongs. Be rich in doing good, in being generous. He's saying, go farther. Do more than the average person because you have more opportunity than the average person to be rich in doing good and in being generous. Now, this is completely countercultural. I want you to notice it's completely not how we think. Because the way we think in our culture is the more money I have, the more opportunity I have to look after myself, to have fun, to enjoy, to fill up the time that I have, the extra time I have with things for myself. This is how we think. And you know, there's nothing wrong with looking after yourself. There's nothing wrong with enjoying good things in life. But Paul is warning rich people, don't miss the extra opportunity you have that others don't have. Now, obviously, rich people have more money. We saw that last week. We said last week that the, 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 the richest 1% the, of wage earners, the, the ones who, who earn the most in the world, earn how much? How much? Okay, a few people are out of denial. The rest are still struggling with that figure. They can't even say it uh, because it's like, no, I, I don't even want to say it. But they earn 250,000 shillings per month. We said the richest 1% of wage earners, that's what they earn. And then we say the richest 10% of wage earners in the world, not in Kenya, earn 88,000 Kenya shillings. So we said, listen, this is exactly what it is. When you're rich, you just have more money than the rest of the world, than other people. But the other thing that rich people have, I don't know if you know, it's not just about money that makes you rich. Rich people have more time. Did you know that? Rich people have more time. Now, let me just ask a question. How many of you work six days of the week or less? Six days, five days of... Let me just see. Show of hands. You don't work. There's one day of the week when you're free to do your stuff. Okay. Almost all of us. See, this is an interesting uh, reality because what you're just saying is, I work six days of the week to provide food, nutrition, shelter, uh, clothing for myself, perhaps my family, for the rest of the week. Now... It's very interesting because I don't know if you know this, but for the rest of the world and for the majority of the world and the majority of the people in this city, that's not the case. I don't know if you notice this. It's very easy for you to miss this fact that one of the things that distinguishes you and us and people who are not wealthy is that we actually get more time in that sense. Because if you find, you're going to find that across the city, the majority of this city, that they can't close their businesses on Sunday. They don't close their business anytime. Why? Because they live from hand to mouth. What I make today is what I eat today. Have you ever gone to a, a market and you're, talk, you're, you're trying to buy stuff and you're choosing mangoes and the lady next door to you who also has mangoes is saying, please buy mine. And when you say, no, I like this one, she says, okay, can you at least buy one of mine? Have you ever had that experience? Basically what she's saying is, listen, I've calculated. I need to sell five of these things for my family to eat today. That's what she's really telling you. If you just buy at least one, I'm 20% towards feeding my family for today. She has no time. Every day counts for her. I've had friends who work in factories and I've asked them this question. They told me it's true. Many of our factories don't close on Sunday in this country. 
And what happens when you come in on, sun, on in, in the morning at 8 o'clock, you're going to find a few thousand people waiting outside to get in. Because if you're not in by 8, they close the doors. And what happens for a lot of people if you are sick, if you missed your matatu, if you aren't able to wake up on time, you get there, you can't come in. And you better have a plan B of where you're going to get money because if you don't work that day, your family will not eat that day. Now, I don't know if you know this, but this is a reality for many, in fact, the majority of people in this city, in this nation, and across the world. Now, here's the thing, I mean, and, and, and I think it's always good to understand because sometimes we need to understand the reality of the world around us. Here's the thing. If you work... 60 hours a week, which is a, 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 a healthy-sized a healthy chunk of working time. It means that you work six days, Monday to Saturday, and you work 10 hours. Isn't that about? A lot of people work that, isn't it? Uh, some, some work less, others work more, but generally a lot of people work a, he a heavy week like that. If you work 60 hours, 10 hours a day for six weeks, and then you have eight hours of sleep. How many people eight, sleep eight hours? How many people wish they could sleep eight hours? All right. I know that's a lot of you. <laughs> but let's be generous here. We're giving you eight hours to sleep. So that means you're working 10 hours a day and you're sleeping eight hours a day. You calculate that and you find an astronomical amount of time that is left over. 52 hours. 52 free hours for yourself. Now, if you're like me, you're probably thinking, I don't have 52 hours. I can't remember the last time I had two free hours. Anybody think like that? Pastor Amy, you're talking about other people because, I mean, obviously these rich people have time. I don't have that time because I'm, I'm busy. But you know, for me, when I think about what I spend those 52 hours on, if many of you are like me, you're probably going to find that you spend it with Facebooking, Twittering, WhatsApping, reading the newspaper, watching TV, getting your hair done, taking your car to be washed, catching up with friends, shopping, washing your house. ETC, ETC, anybody who's like that, you understand what I'm talking about? You're so busy with those 52 hours, that you don't think you have extra time. But what I'm trying to say is, you actually have the choice to do those things. And the majority of the world doesn't have that discretionary time. Tell your neighbor, you're rich. Tell your other neighbor, stop being in denial. <laughs> and here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, listen, you need to understand you have an opportunity, a great opportunity, to use that extra wealth that God has given you to bless, to be a blessing, to be generous, and to do good to more people. So, so how can we ensure that we're truly rich in doing good deeds and generous? Now that we know we, we are, we are the people that are being addressed in this passage, how do we ensure that we're rich in doing good deeds, that we're generous, that we're using the extra we've been given to be a blessing? And not just consuming it. Here's the thing. And I want to say this. A little disclaimer before I speak about this. I'm not, going to say that, I'm not saying this because Mavuno is in, a, is in a capital campaign and needs you to give towards Mavuno. That's not why I'm saying this. That's not the reason for this series. In fact, I want to say this. If you never give a dime, if you never give a cent to Mavuno Church, you must listen to what I'm about to say next. If you never even give one shilling to this church, this is for you. It's important for you. It's critical. That you understand what this passage says. I don't want you to miss it because you're thinking, my goodness, is this guy trying to get me to give? I don't want you to miss what I'm about to say. So I'd rather just listen to it still. Even if this is not your church, even if you're not committed towards giving a dime to this church. And here's what I want to say. A very critical, important piece of knowledge. It's not the amount I give away, but the percentage that counts. 
please write that down because I think it's, it's very critical. It's not the amount I give away, but the percentage that counts. Somebody's asking, so how do I know that I'm rich in doing good? How do I know that I'm rich in being generous? How do I know that I'm using this opportunity I have to do more uh, to, than the average person because I've been blessed beyond the average person? Listen, it's not the amount that I give away, but the percentage that counts. You know, the interesting thing is that God is not so impressed by amounts like we sometimes think. There's a very interesting story in the Bible. I just find it an amazing story. I mean, Jesus is in the temple one day. And I mean, Jesus is, is watching people give. Now, some of the stories in the Bible, I always tell you, Mavuno, whenever you read the Bible, always ask yourself, what in the world? Don't just read like a spiritual person, because spiritual people just read the Bible. And it's like, oh, that's a holy thing, you know? I mean, it's like, no, 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 ask questions about it. So here's Jesus. He's in the temple, and he's watching people give. Why is he watching people give? You need to ask yourself that question first. I mean, imagine if Pastor M was just standing as you're giving. I, it doesn't matter. Why is he watching? Now, I need to give you a little context to the story. In the temple, they've got a, they don't have offering baskets coming around. What they have is, as you enter the door of the temple, there's a big bucket like this. There's a, they, what they call the treasury box. And in the treasury box, people walk in. And as you're walking in is when you put money. And as you put money into the treasury box, people can see what you're giving. So here's what's happening in the context of the story. Uh, Jesus is looking and he's saying, man, people are giving money. Uh, now, here's the thing. I, I don't understand about you because I, I, I always say this. I don't even know what anybody in this church gives except what my wife and I give. And I don't really want to know. But obviously, Jesus is interested. So Jesus is somewhere like this and he's kind of watching. Okay. And I mean, he's with disciples and they're watching together. I mean, that's kind of intrusive. Imagine, huh? I mean, it's like you're giving your offering and, and it's like there's this. But you know, he tells me, even though Pastor M is not interested, Jesus is actually interested in what I put in offering. That's a weird thing. I mean, I don't know about you. That kind of feels intrusive. It feels like it should just be my business, isn't it? What I give. But the interesting thing for me as I'm seeing this passage is that Jesus is actually interested. And Luke chapter 21 verse 4 says, Verse 1 to 4, Luke 21, verse 1 to 4 says, As Jesus looked up, Jesus is looking up. He sees something that makes his, him call his disciples, say, come, 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 watch this. He says, he's, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people give their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. No, no, no. You guys don't. You're not, you're not getting this. You're not getting this. Understand with me. This is radical. So imagine this scenario. Rich guy. Checks out of his stretch chariot. The driver can't be there. The driver has to be far because it's a stretch chariot, yeah? So, so... So, okay, he stops at church, driver stops the, the chariot, opens the door for him. He's used to guys opening the door for him, and he checks out. Everybody can smell his cologne from far. Shwa. 
And he's walking and his bling is moving with him as he's walking, you know. And guys are looking and the man has arrived. The guy is in church. And I mean, the guy is walking and you can see his clothes are just glimmering. You know those clothes? When rich guys wear clothes, they look like your clothes, but they don't shimmer like your clothes. I mean, the fit of those clothes. And he's walking and he comes towards the bucket. And then he does to his bodyguard. Because the man is too heavy for him to carry. And the bodyguard puts in the gold. And he looks around to see, have you guys noticed? And then he walks into church. That's a story. And everybody's like, wow. Oh my gosh. This guy is, he's the guy. He's the reason we're here. He's the one who's giving to us a campaign. And then. This woman comes. And this poor woman, I mean, this clothes she's wearing, she hasn't washed them in a while. You can tell. They're kind of old. They're threadbare. She's even looking shy to be there. She's hoping the ushers don't notice and ask her, what are you doing here? Because the security guys might ask to screen her. She's not sure, but she's walking. And people are even moving away from her because she kind of smells funny. And she comes and she reaches this place. And she looks in. She's a little intimidated by what people have been giving. But then she turns into, you know how they do it? puts in her coins and she walks into church and as she walks in the smell is wafting and somebody she sits next to is going I'm not sure this woman should be sitting here very strange thing happens next because Jesus tells his disciples look truly I tell you this poor widow has put in more than all the rich people Hold on a minute. I need us to say that word. Because I, I, I want you to understand the strange thing that Jesus has just said. This poor widow has put in more. No, no, no. You, you didn't say it like you really mean it. This poor widow has put in more. Now, listen, listen, listen. How about the guy who put in all the gold? Jesus is saying, this poor widow has put in more than the rich man. How about the guy who brought in his title deed? This poor widow has put in more. How about the guy who gave his, his, his title, his title, his logbook from the stretch limo? How about that guy? This poor widow has put in more. And if you really read the scripture, like a person should read the scripture, not like a Christian who doesn't understand or, or who doesn't even use their imagination, the question you should be asking is, Jesus, the mathematics doesn't make sense. What do you mean more? I mean, in school we were taught this small, smaller, smallest, isn't it? There's big, Bigger, biggest. I mean, this woman has put in two copper coins. These coins are, they can't even buy anything. It's just like those of you who remember when we had five cents here. If you walk around with five cents today, it is legal currency of this country. It is actually recognized. It actually has the face of a president on it. But if you give it to a kiosk owner, he'll laugh at you, isn't it? It's irrelevant. This woman put in irrelevant amount. The rich man put in huge amounts of gold. Jesus says the two copper coins are more. So, so this is when you begin to ask, what does it mean? What is Jesus saying? This is what Jesus is saying. I think he's saying exactly what we said earlier. It's not the amount you give, but the percentage that counts. Tell your neighbor that, because they need to understand that. It's not the amount you give, but the percentage that counts. You see, the rich people gave what they could easily afford. 
They gave what they could easily live without. But the poor widow, she gave it all. She gave 100%. She had nothing else. She gave all she had to God. And God wasn't looking at amounts per se. He was looking at percentage. She said, this rich man, he has lots more to live on. She gave and she has nothing. Her percent is dramatic. She caught God's attention. By the way, the title of my message today is How to Catch God's Attention. This woman caught God's attention. Jesus stopped everything. And he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than everybody else that we've been watching. Everybody who's come in. Now, this is incredible. And this is radical. And this is what Jesus is saying. And this is what Paul has been teaching us. That rich people need not just give higher amounts, because you can fool yourself with amounts, but you must give greater percentages of your resource to be a blessing to others. Paul is saying, I want you to be rich, not average, in good deeds, in generosity, and if in willingness to share. Now, I want to give you a little advice. This advice is important for everybody here. But for you who are about to get married, anybody who's trusting God to get married soon, you're going to thank me for this advice. Anybody who's here who's like, you know, I'm going to get married soon. We're about to get married or we just got married. Let me just see a show of hands because uh, I just want to see where you are. There's quite a few of you. I can see you. Don't be shy. I mean, you're, that guy might be around and thinking you're, you're disowning him right now in public. So, yeah, yeah. you're going to appreciate this, this, this stuff I'm going to share. This is important for everybody, but for, especially for you, you're going to thank me. In fact, this is so important that a few years from now, when, I, when, I, when you're going to come running to me and you're going to even want to hug me, although I'll just be like, you know, you'll be like, Pastor M, I, I mean, you saved our marriage. You saved our lives. We are so grateful for you. Do you want to hear what it is? You guys don't know. I mean, you clearly don't want your marriage to be saved. But, but let me say this. This stuff is going to revolutionize your life. It's going to change everything about you. By the way, do you want to hear this, by the way? Because marriages are not surviving. Yours is going to thrive in the name of Jesus. Are you ready for this? All right, now you're ready. So here's what I'm going to tell you. And by the way, it's so simple, you'll be shocked. This is the truth. When it comes to money, agree together with your partner a percentage of money that you will give a percentage of money that you will always, every month, save. And then a percentage of money that, at the end, what's left, the percentage that you will live on. That's it. You're waiting for more, aren't you? <laughs> that's it. I mean, that's it. That's going to save your marriage. And by the way, as you grow wealthier, don't diminish those percentages. Keep giving at that percentage. In fact, if, if anything, the only percentage you ever diminish is this, this last one. What you will live on. But keep those percentages. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to come to me and you will say, Pastor M, you saved our financial status. And by the way, if you do this and you avoid debt at all costs, you will be shocked. You will be amazed at what's going to happen to your life. It's so simple that some people right now are thinking I have a PhD in economics. Pastor M, I'm a financial advisor. What you have just told people means nothing. And I'm telling you, don't mistake simple with simplistic. This is simple, but if Kenyans could do it, it would save their lives. Now, because you're looking at me like kind of blankly, the last week of this series, I'll be sharing with you my story. And I'll be sharing with you how that story is so profound and it has changed my own financial status. Dramatically. Completely. So much so, can I tell you a secret that you, don't, you won't promise to turn anybody out of this? Huh? Don't tell anybody after this. Huh? But I'll tell you this. I mean, I was watching this little uh, snippet of this 
Rich Kenyans. Anybody seen that, that program? Uh, Rich Young Kenyans. Uh, it's out. You can see it on YouTube. And I mean, they were doing some interviews and they were talking about this guy who's so wealthy and he's so blingyas and all that good stuff. And I mean, they said he's worth 60 million Kenya shillings. And I'd been waiting for the figure because when the guys tell you they're rich, you're always waiting for, okay, so what does that rich mean for you? When they said 60 million, I said, ah, I stopped watching. Some of you are going to get this like three weeks from now. So, so what I'm saying is at the end of this month, I'm going to tell you how you can get to the place where you're going to say, what? <laughs> That's a joke. Why? It's not because I ever robbed a bank. It's not because I ever helped myself to Mavuno offerings because I have no access to them. But as I have applied these principles with my wife ever since we began, God has completely changed our financial status. And I'm going to be sharing that story with you. So you have to be there. I don't even think we should record that one, isn't it? Because that's going to be like a personal inter-house conversation. So, so make sure you're here and your relatives and everybody who needs to be here. But anyway, let's move on. <laughs> it's not the amount you give away, but the percentage that counts. You know, most people don't predecide a percentage to give. Most people don't think like that. Most people are spontaneous givers. What's a spontaneous giver? Spontaneous giver is when you're in the traffic and the poor street child starts walking to you or the, the, the blind guy or the whoever it is coming and you start looking to see inside the tray what's there. And you kind of sift because you could see a hundred bob, you kind of knock it over and you check and one eye is on the green light because you're kind of hoping that the, the lights change and, 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 and the light changes and you're, oh, shucks, too, so, sorry, man, and you, you drive off, you know? I mean, that's, that's spontaneous giving. Or maybe he comes and you're like, oh, shucks, okay, he's here and you give him and you're like, wow, you gave. That's spontaneous giving. Spontaneous giving is when you go to a pre-wedding or to a, a funeral contribution, something you, people are giving money and you're about to give and you're fishing to see what you give and you have a come out, you're about to give and then your friend stands and just does power. And you're like, oh, shucks. Now I can't give what I was planning to give, isn't it? Because, I mean, I was going to give a spontaneous gift, and this guy has given much more, and I'm embarrassed. Spontaneous giving is when the bag is coming. It's that time to, Mavuno, that we love. It's that time to give. And the bag is coming, and you're like, oh, shucks, man. And you're digging into your pocket, and you're like, oh, my. And you're, you're, like, you're looking, and you're hoping a thousand shillings is a lot the first note you hit. And you hit it, and you're like, oh, shucks. Okay, and you put it in, and there's a receipt for Nakumat there. And you put them both in, and it's like... <laughs> You know, by the way, you should talk to the ashes. They tell you there are very funny things they find in the offering basket every Sunday. That's spontaneous giving. That's spontaneous giving. And spontaneous giving, let me say this. When you give spontaneous giving, you only give leftovers. That's a reality. You'll only give leftovers. You will never be rich in doing good deeds, in being generous. Your money will consume you and destroy you. And Paul is saying, listen, don't be a spontaneous giver. You must predecide, Because it's not the amount you give away, but the percentage that counts. And the only way to make sure your hope never migrates, that you're never controlled by money, that you never think you're generous when you're not. Because that's what happens, by the way. You know, you give, I give 60,000 to something. And I'm like, wow, maze, I've given. But when you do your percentages, you're going to find out, oh my goodness, I'm stingier than what I thought. And here's the only way to make sure your hope never migrates. Predecide. You must predecide. When you predecide a percentage of your income and give it away first, and by the way, I want to say this it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not. Huh? This stuff is applicable for everybody in this world. It's a global reality, it's a universal truth. This stuff, I'm sure many of you have read it in finance books. Haven't you read it? I mean, this stuff is written about by Donald Trump, it's written about by Richard Kiyosaki, people who are not even, I mean, as far as I know, are not followers of Christ. But they teach this as a universal truth. Because one of the things they've come to understand is when you give first and you predetermine 
and you give percentage giving, what happens is you become part of something that is bigger than yourself. Your life doesn't rotate around little old you. Because when you do that, you live a miserable small life. You need to live for something bigger than yourself. You have more opportunity because you're more blessed. This is what they've come to understand. And they practice this together. And they practice it and God blesses. Because this blessing comes not just for people who are Christ followers. It comes for everybody who practices this. I want you to say it again with me. It's not the amount you give. But the percentage that counts. Now, according to Paul, he's not just talking about generosity with money. He's also talking about being rich in good deeds. Along with money, you need to prioritize doing good. To things that are bigger than yourself. To organizations that are changing society. To others who cannot afford what you can afford. We need to prioritize serving as well. You know, the interesting thing is, for most of us, the more blessed we are, in fact, the, interesting, the radical thing is, the more God blesses us, the more those same blessings keep us from serving. Isn't that, it's just, it's, it's ironical, you know? It's like, man, I used to serve, I used to jive to church, and I was always there early to be an usher, and now, man, say I have a job. And I'm tired, and I have to sleep. It's my only time. And what happens is that blessing becomes a thing that keeps you from serving. Oh my goodness, now I have a husband. We prayed for you, by the way. Oh, I need a husband. We prayed for you. But now I have a husband. I have to make breakfast for him. Or now I have children. And now I have to look after my kids. You need to understand. I'm busy. But you know what's happening is the more God is blessing you, the more those blessings are sidelining you, keeping you away from being rich in using blessing to be a blessing to others. You know, the interesting thing I found, when I used to be single, <laughs> I was busy. My life was busy. I had no margin for anything. I mean, I was like one of those people who if they had, I had 52 hours, I'd have said, what? Because I mean, I was busy like a problem. Then I got married. Let me tell you, marriage is work. <laughs> Somebody's looking at me and like, Pastor M, what do you mean marriage is work? Marriage is marital bliss and you just look at each other and you make breakfast in bed for one another. Is... No, 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 no. Those who are married can tell you right now, marriage is hard work, isn't it? Women, isn't it hard to be married to a man? <laughs> it is work. It is a lot of work. And let me tell you guys, guys, is it hard to be married to a woman? What? <laughs> guys will tell you, those who are married will tell you, Maze, this thing is so much work. It takes a lot of my time. But you know something? I got married and somehow I was still busy, but I made time for my wife. And then we prayed for children. We couldn't have children for a long time. And we really prayed for children, eight years. But finally, God gave us children. We have three children. Let me tell you what. If you thought a spouse was work, try children. Children are demanding like a problem of your time, isn't it? But the amazing thing is, I was still busy with all my work, with my wife, and I made time for my three children. What am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is this. You make time for the things that matter. Oh yes, I know you're busy. But if something really matters, you will make time for it. Because it matters to you. So we can never say I'm too busy to serve. I'm too busy to give. Because we make time for the things that are important to us. I'll never forget this story. I once met, I once went to a conference. Uh, just before we started Mavuno Church, invited to a, ch a conference held by another church. And I went to the place. It was held at St. Andrews. I'll never forget that. And uh, they were doing this great, it was an incredible conference. But I, you know what? I've forgotten everything else that I learned in that conference except one thing. I went to the toilet as you do when you're in a conference. And <laughs> I mean, I, I, I did my business. But you know, the interesting thing about it is there was this guy 
who kind of, he looked kind of different. He was one of the cleaners in the toilet, just like the other guys. And I mean, you know how it is, you walk in and the guy is cleaning and you tell him, oh, watch any Peter, watch any Peter Kopande. You know, you, you're, you're speaking in Swahili because I mean, obviously, but this guy kind of looked a bit strange. And I mean, I saw he had distinguished white hair. He kind of looked a little different, but I, I couldn't stay, tell what it was until later on when I was talking to one of the pastors of the church and the man came by and he wasn't dressed in overalls. He was wearing a suit. And I mean, I was like, okay, something doesn't connect. And I was introduced to him. And he's a CEO of a leading company in town. And I, I was like, <laughs> I don't get it. You know, I mean, for me at that time, it was like, this doesn't make sense. What's going on? And I waited for him to pass and I asked the pastor, tell me what's going on there. And the guy said, you know, we asked in church for people to serve at our conference. They had a conference like we have once a year here. And they said, we asked in church for people to serve in our conference. And everybody came and served. And he came finally and said, what's available for service? And people said, there's nothing. And he said, no, I'm sure there's a place left. And they said, the only place we have is the crew for cleaning the toilets. And nobody really is interested in that as much. And he said, sign me in. And this CEO was there washing the toilets as we delegates were enjoying the conference. I came out of that conference. Like I said, I've forgotten everything else I learned except what that man taught me. Because he understood that the more blessed we are, the more we have opportunity to bless others. And he, you know, the, 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 the radical thing in the world is the more I become wealthy, the more people serve me, isn't it? The more distinguished I am, the more people move away from me and they give me space. The only place I can serve is when I'm called to give a plenary talk about how I succeeded, isn't it? Motivational speaking. That's, that's how we think. <laughs> but this guy was teaching me something completely different. He was teaching me the more blessed I am, the more opportunity I have to do what nobody else can do. I can bless because I've been blessed to be a blessing. And this man was giving his best time to do things that others didn't want to do. You know, one of the reasons I love it when people volunteer at Mavuno Church is because they're learning to give their time to something that is bigger than themselves. They're learning to give their, their, their lives to something that is changing other people's lives that is bigger than themselves. They're learning to be rich in doing good. And they're not spontaneous. Many people here are not spontaneous. Let me say this. There are hundreds of people in this church who every week, every single week, they predetermine to serve, to be a blessing. And every, you, you, you may have just come into church, but there are people who are here at 7 o'clock in the morning. There are people who came in at 8 o'clock in the morning in different ministries. Some of them serve as ushers. Some of them serve in our tech department. Some of them are running our video crew. Some of them are at the back with the sound. Some of them are in the worship team. Some of them are in the greenhouse teaching our children. Some of them are running our, our teens ministry. There are so many different places they're serving. Some of them are out there uh, helping other couples succeed in their marriages, in our marriage and parenting class. And I'm always amazed when I reflect on this, that in this church, there are, there are hundreds of marriages that have been saved because somebody predetermined to give. Somebody predetermined to serve. There are hundreds of, let me say this, at Mavuno, we are unique in this way. There are hundreds of people who were addicted and are no longer addicts in the name of Jesus. Amen? I bless the Lord for all the people here who would say, I used to be an alcoholic. I was a druggie. But somehow I came to this church and I was changed. And I said, there are people like that because somebody predetermined to serve in Mizizi or in Simama in one of our classes and somebody's life was changed. There are hundreds of children who are living purposeful lives. By the way, the children in our greenhouse are incredible. Some of them have become such, uh, uh, they're so, it's so star-studded, that greenhouse. Do you know that? Uh, our greenhouse is a church for celebs, I tell you. I mean, a lot of these kids are, 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 are show hosts on radio shows and on TV shows and many of them will tell you the reason is because they learned confidence at greenhouse. 
Man, there's a group of teachers here who give their lives for people's children who are not even their own children. They're predetermined to serve. I love it. And I say, my goodness, it's happening because somebody predetermined to be rich in their serving. You know, some of these people who serve are young people, barely out of school. But many of them are parents. Some of them have multiple children. Busy, busy lifestyles. Some of them are just beginning their careers. But I want to tell you, there are people who serve in this church who have high positions of responsibility. I know several CEOs who serve here in very humble places. And you would never know just looking at them on Sunday. Because they serve with a servant heart. The way, they see the, the way, the way they've, they've come to see the world is as the Lord blesses me, I always need to remember to cons- consistently be a blessing and never forget that. They've predecided. Because remember with me, it's not the amount I give that counts. It's a percentage that counts. It's not the amount I give away, but the percentage that counts. Spontaneous giving is not wrong. By the way, please never listen to me and say, Pastor M said when, I, when that poor child comes to the window that I don't have to give. That's not what I'm saying. It's not wrong. But I'm saying if you make the, that the basis of your giving and your living, you will shortchange yourself of the opportunity to, be a, to make a difference. And you will forget why God has blessed you in the way he has. In other words, to stop your hope from migrating, you must decide to be rich, not average, in your being generous with your time and with your money to be a blessing to others beyond yourself. Now next week, it's getting warmer. Next week, we're going to be talking about next level investments. Tell your neighbor, next level. <laughs> it's, going to get, well, it's going to be fun. We're going to be talking about next level investments. So I hope to see you then. But before you go, I just want you to use your imagination with me. Before I, just as I conclude, your imagination with me. I want you to imagine with me a completely different scenario. Imagine with me a generation of people arising across this continent who are predetermined to give a percentage of their time and their money to God's work and to be a blessing to others beyond themselves. Imagine a group of people who've come to the realization that they don't have to live on, ev- they don't have to eat everything they re- they, that they make to consume everything that they're given, but that they can be a blessing and they're generous in that blessing. Imagine these people coming to the realization that because I don't have to live on everything that I make, I actually even have more to save and to invest and to be generous with. Imagine this group of people throwing off the shackles of debt because they've come to understand that debt is the devil's way of keeping you away from your destiny. Somebody needs to say amen to that because people don't understand that in the world, but we in God's house, we know that, that debt destroys your destiny and they've chosen to stay away from debt and to walk God's way. And then imagine as a result, a generous community of wealthy people, rich people who God has blessed with his resources, but you know, they're not boasting about those resources they're walking around and they're doing good and they're changing africa and they're eliminating slums and widows are finding sustenance and youth are finding employment and and the poor are finding hope and they're saying thank god for those people and i want you to imagine with me that you are one of them you're one of them you're right in the center those wealthy blessed people who are a blessing to this continent and who are changing it in our generation somebody needs to say amen to that This is your destiny in Christ Jesus. This is why God is blessing us. I want you to remind your neighbor, it's not the amount you give away that counts. It's a percentage. I want to pray for us as we conclude. Because I sense there's a group of people here who God has been speaking to so solidly through this message. Some of you are in serious debt. You have made decisions to run ahead of God. And you've made your own decisions to borrow money. 
And right now, you're one step ahead of the creditors. People are out there to collect money from you. You're living a miserable life in debt. Your finances are in a mess. Some of you, it's because you directly disobeyed God's word. And some of you, you just didn't know. Nobody ever taught you that this is not the way to live. And I sense that as I prayed over this message that God told me that he's going to set somebody free today. This is a place of liberation. There's somebody who's going to be set free. And you will share your testimony in this church about how God has set you free. And so if you're here, I want you to stand up to your feet right now. You've been embarrassed, harassed by your debt. But you're saying in God's help, with God's help, I will make a difference. Come on, just stand wherever you are. Stand wherever you are. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be afraid of your neighbor. Be man enough. Be woman enough in God's presence. You're saying, God, I'm here. I need your help. Come on, I know there's many more of you. Just stand wherever you are. God is speaking to you. To God be the glory. Let's appreciate them as they stand to their feet. To God be the glory for every single one of them. Oh my goodness. I see liberation in the house today. I see, I see freedom in the house today. And I know there are many of you who are still thinking about standing. You need to tell the devil, get me behind me. That same devil who's telling you don't be embarrassed is the same devil who has kept you bound. You need to tell him, get me behind me and you stand up in God's presence. Come on, let's appreciate them one more time. To God be the glory. I want to also speak over somebody here who, you know what? You are not in that situation, but you've heard the message. You've been part of Mavuno Church for a while. You've heard these messages about finances. But you know what? You are not living according to God's potential for you financially. Because somehow you've heard this word, it's come here, and then you moved on to the next thing. You never took time to apply God's word when it comes to your finances. And God is saying, you know what? I want you to become a doer, not just a hearer of my word. I want you to make a difference in your life. Today, I'm going to give you a new lease of life. Stand up as well, if this is you. God is speaking to somebody here. You know you're mismanaging God's resources. Even though you know up here, the way you're living is different from what you know. Come on, let's appreciate those two as they boldly make their profession in God's house today. I bless the Lord for every single one of you, my brothers and sisters. And I do believe that today God is going to start doing something new in your financial life. Come on, just stretch out your hands in confession right now. And just speak to your father. Just say something very simple to him. You can say, sorry God. Sorry for the way I've misused your resources. It doesn't have to be an eloquent prayer. But just speak to him. He's your father. He's here. He will set you free. I bless the Lord for every single person who's making this prayer right now. Bless you Lord for every single confession that is going up to your throne right now. Bless you because every single situation here is known to you. And that Lord Jesus, you are rejoicing right now as you see your sons and daughters make a confession in God's house. They've misused your resource. But Lord, they're saying, now, I, now I'm in a different place. God's spirit has spoken to me. I need God's help. And Father, thank you because your spirit, your word says to us, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to purify us from all unrighteousness. And right now, Lord, as that confession is coming to you, I know that the word you're saying is you're forgiven. You're forgiven, my son. You're forgiven, my daughter. And Lord, I know it is your desire to set your children free. The devil uses this, this thing called money. Mammon, the spirit of mammon, to come into our life. But right now, Lord, there's a confession that, Father, greed will no longer be our motivator. Fear will no longer be our motivator. But that, Father God, we will seek your kingdom. And we'll seek your help. And that Lord would live within those means you put in our hands. And that Father, we will get out of this place. Right now, Lord, I want to just boldly declare over your children with your help. I speak freedom. I speak freedom. I speak freedom. To that person who's been harassed, who's been living in fear. I speak to you freedom. I declare to you that time is coming and coming very soon. When you will no longer live in fear. 
that your finances will not determine you, that you will serve God and be a blessing to many, that you will be generous because your Lord is setting you free right now, that a spiritual transaction is happening in this house in God's presence, and our God is setting you free to serve Him. Father God, I speak over them a boldness now to do what it takes to walk in your ways. I pray for them a faithfulness, a financial faithfulness, that over every single person who's made this confession today, they will hear your words saying to them, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little I've put in your hands. Now enter into much more responsibility. And so I speak a blessing over your children now, and I declare it to be true that you will do this. Come on, let's appreciate them right now. Let's appreciate them because of what God is going to do. Bless the Lord. Let's all stand to our feet. Don't sit. We're about to end our service. I want to speak a blessing over you as you go out. Here's the thing I'm, I want to say. The reason that I believe God put this series in my heart. This is a year of Jubilee in this nation. This is a year to... Somebody's still thriving. This is a year to occupy. <laughs> you never you thrive and then you occupy, isn't it? This is a year we're occupying. You will never occupy until your finances are in shape. This is what I'm trying to say. And many of us have been put in slavery financially. The devil, the devil thrives in putting God's children in that place of fear and slavery. I believe that as God sets us free, that we will become the fearless influencers he's calling us to be. This is God's word. And so I, I want to urge you, this week, go back into that place. Let me, let me say this. If you're in debt, this little book called Financial Fitness, I talked about it last time. We have one in our bookstore. Uh, if you can't afford one, borrow one from a friend uh, and return it. But here's the thing. It actually has a get out of debt plan. Has a get out of debt, get out of jail card, a get out of debt uh, plan. And you can use that. It's a very simple plan. And many people have talked to me afterwards and said, Pastor, I entered this church, I was in serious debt, and my life has been completely changed because I applied that get out of debt plan. So use it. Use it. Some of you are asking questions. Many of you have been asking questions. How do I start to give? This book, Financial Foundations, talks about that. You can borrow a copy if you can't afford your own. And read it as well. Invest in some wisdom. Because I believe that God wants to put a foundation for you to set you free. Amen. I want to bless you as you go out to the week. Lord, I thank you so much for your children. Look at them. So many of them who love you, who are desperately seeking to please you, who want to walk with you, who want to be influencers in their generation, who want to be a blessing because you've blessed them. I thank you for every single one. And right now, Lord, as we come humbly expecting your blessing. I speak over them, Lord, that the blessing of heaven will be theirs in Christ Jesus. I thank you that your word says that you became poor, that they would be rich. And Lord, that the reason for that riches is that the, 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 the world groans in eager expectation that these sons and daughters of God would be, would, be, would be revealed. And I speak over them right now. I speak wisdom. I speak grace. I speak divine understanding. For those who are running businesses, I speak the wisdom of God over your business decisions. I speak the wisdom of God over your career decisions. I speak that God would establish you as his own and set you apart as you apply his word in your life. And I speak over you freedom and blessing. May God distinguish you among the nations. And may you bring him glory in your generation. I bless you now, God's children, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And God's people say it with a shout. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. And we'll see you next week. Tell your neighbor, stay rich.